Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace be upon you in the mercy and blessings of Allah. That is the greeting which has been handed down from generation to generation of Muslims, beginning with the first prototype of man, Adam, alayhi salam, when he was told to turn and greet the angels by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a greeting of peace. This is an oath of brotherhood verbally sworn to be upheld by each and every person who utters these words, who let the sweet words of La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu rasulu roll off of their tongues. And believe it wholeheartedly and act upon it. As Muslims, we are united by a bond which is undeniable. A bond which cannot be denied by anything that exists. Because everything that exists glorifies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As a Muslim. We are to stand on our ten toes in the face of adversity, in the face of prejudice, in the face of difficulty and hard times with our chin up and our chest out. We are to uphold the commandments which Allah Azawajal has commanded us to. The commandments which have been sent down via the angel Jibreel alayhi salam to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam Habibullah the beloved of Allah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the messenger of Allah the final prophet and the seal of prophetic office Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has finalized his message to mankind in the form of the Quran and it is a mercy and a guidance for all that exists. Islam is not a religion. It is a way of life which we are to embody and stand upon regardless of race, regardless of gender, Regardless of social, economic classes, regardless of any structure which has been created and acknowledged by humanity, because we are all created equally in our spirit, in our ability to recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Rabbil Alameen, the Lord of the worlds, of the cosmos, of all that exists. There is no God beside him. There is no one equal to him. He is high above everything that they attribute to him. He has no sons, no daughters, no cohorts. He has no partners whatsoever and he is not in pieces. 
Allah Azawajal is one. He is the only thing that exists. He is the sure reality, Al-Haq. And it's to him that we submit wholeheartedly. We struggle and we strive with all that we have, might and main, to follow in the footsteps of the chosen, the prophets of those who have been sent to mankind to guide and to warn of a terrible day when no soul shall escape the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Muslims, we are to enjoin what is right and to forbid what is wrong. We are to stand out for righteousness, truth, and justice, even if it be against our own souls, even if it be against our parents, our kinsmen, even if it be against rich or poor. We are to stand on the side of righteousness, the side of truth. Loyalty is forever. And in no way, no shape or form, should it ever be compromised. My name is Akil the Real. I go by that handle. Akil Abdul Malik, the intelligent servant of the king, which is my attribute. I was born and raised in America, land of the free, or so they say, the land of milk and honey, the modern day Rome. Alhamdulillah, I had no choice. I had no say so in where I was born. I had no say so in my skin color. Who were my parents? I had no say so in any of these things and it's not for me to take excessive pride in these things. It is for me to take pride in being chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be of the believers. And even this is not guaranteed. So I understand that why I profess my faith as a Muslim, why I profess my allegiance as a Muslim, I must cherish this moment with all sincerity, with my heart, with my every being. And even in me doing so, I still fall short. And I ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on me, to have mercy on all those who experience the same traumas or even worse traumas and burdens than I do. All the brothers and sisters who are facing hardship and difficulties in other countries, in other lands, I ask that Allah ease their burdens. I ask that Allah draw them nearer to Him and those who die in the process I ask that he grant them the highest level of Jannah. It is our code as Muslims 
to want for our fellow brothers and sisters what we want for ourselves and all of humanity is the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with no exception. Whether they testify and bear witness to their allegiance is solely upon them. But as for us who do verbalize this, I respect and honor my duty to acknowledge you as a Muslim. I respect and honor my obligations that I must fulfill even against my own ego. Wheresoever may I find myself, I ask that Allah grant me the strength to uphold the covenant which I testify to and never backslide. Man, it's been a minute. Shout out to all those Muslim brothers and sisters who run podcasts on the regular. Shout out to all the people who give da'wah on the regular, whether it be visualized on social media, in the communities, in their homes, in the prisons, wherever it may be. I pray that Allah reward you for your intentions and your sacrifices. And I pray that Allah have mercy on us all. It's been around two months since the last podcast. Maybe even longer. I, cho I chose to take a break and dedicate myself to other things. Because I felt like it was most important to get these things out the way before I carry on. My heart just wouldn't sit right until I took care of these issues. Today's topic, respect. A famous singer had a song called Respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. This is a word that is very seldom used in its proper context in today's day and time. Quite frankly, I'm not even sure that we even know or understand its meanings and how to implicate it in our daily lives. The lack of it is one of the main reasons why there is so much conflict between various parties, in my humble opinion. Whether it be countrymen, businessmen, Male and female, young and old, and the list goes on. Many people have the notion implanted in their egos and pride bags that if it is not in correlation with their nationality and or culture or gender, then it is in error. They will pass this mentality on from one generation to the next and the toxic cycle of the inability to connect with other cultures and people will continue. Phobias will arise and stereotypes will remain as barriers between brothers and sisters, hindering the progress and development of humanity. Allah says in the Quran, Surah 49, Ayat 13, 
We created you from a single pair of male and female and made you into nations and tribes that you may know each other. Surely the most noble of you before Allah are the most reverent of you. Surely Allah speaks the truth. With nations and tribes, there are many things that come along with that. Things that will arise as a result of the geography of a people, the environment of a people, the history of a people, and the inventions and the inventions of a people from these circumstances, a culture of a people will be birthed. These things contribute to the overall psyche of a people and will be shared and spread as a result of daily interaction with different cultures and nations. In regards to culture, Islam does not condemn a people from honoring their culture unless that honoring violates a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his beloved prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Had Allah meant for us to be identical in every aspect of our existence, then we would be so. There is no power or might except with Allah. Allah says in Quran, Surah 5, Ayat 48, And had Allah willed, He would have made you one community. But He willed otherwise, that He might try you in that which He has given you. So vie with one another in good deeds unto Allah shall be your return altogether, and he will inform you of that wherein you differ. Surely Allah speaks the truth. There is a hadith that is often quoted and used in order to encourage people from a certain nation. There is a hadith that is often quoted and used in order to encourage people from certain nations and of certain nationalities from participating in certain events or from adorning cultural garb. And in my opinion, this hadith has been weaponized against people who don't share the same culture of the voices in charge. The hadith is reported by Ibn Umar. The Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, whoever imitates a people is one of them. Sunan Abi Dawood 4031, Great Sahih, according to El Albani. There are two ways in which we can approach this statement by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and that is from a religious perspective and a cultural aspect. Whenever we approach anything of our religion, the Quran is the source which takes precedence over all statements. If it is not supported by the word of Allah, then take it as you wish. Allah knows best. Take into consideration the hadith from our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from Numan Ibn Bashir Ready Allahu Anhu who said that I heard Allah's messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say that which is lawful is clear, and that which is forbidden is clear. And between them are doubtful matters about which many of the people have no knowledge. Just like a shepherd who grazes his sheep 
near to private pasture of another, he will soon stray onto it. Indeed, for every king, there is a private preserver. Indeed, the preserver of a law are those things which he has forbidden. Indeed, there is a piece of flesh in the body, which if it is good, the whole body is good. But if it is corrupt, then the whole body is corrupt. Indeed, it is the heart. Bukhari and Muslim. We have been given boundaries by Allah in the form of the Quran, and we have been given a shepherd in the form of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who has shown us how to navigate those boundaries in perfection. Whenever there is something in question, we refer back to Allah first and then his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And both of these are in accordance with each other. The way of life has been perfected. There will be no change in what Allah has decreed in this deen and in how the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has shown us how to execute these commands. Example, the daily salat have been established by Allah as a wajal. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has shown us how to implement salat in our lives. The manner in which inheritance is to be distributed is established. And there will be no change in that. There are two religious holidays. This will not change. The deen is complete. So it is overstood that the deen is complete and will not change whatsoever. So let us look at what Islam did to the culture of a people. And the most authentic way in which we may do so is through the Quran. What was the culture like in the days of Jahaliyyah? A person's true worth was determined by their lineage and grandiose display of valor and generosity. Smaller tribes were raided, the men killed, women taken as concubines. Women were treated as properties and could be passed on from father to son as inheritance. If a daughter was born to a family, then it was seen as a bad thing because a woman was seen as not bringing strength to a tribe. All of these things were present in the culture of the people of Arabia at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Quran addresses all of these issues. Allah made corrections where corrections were needed. These corrections were corrections that changed the psyche and the error in religious belief of a people, which led to a better environment all around for believers and non-believers collectively. So the question is, what changed culturally for the people of Arabia? What separated a believing citizen from a non-believing citizen? Did they adorn different garb, eat different foods, were the hairstyles different? Did the language change? All the things are, that are composed to create a culture remain the same, except that which Allah changed. When we look at culture, we must realize that it is not a stabilized fixture. 
It is something that evolves and takes on different forms and shapes as the circumstances initiate the people to do so. What was culturally acceptable 1400 years ago is not culturally acceptable in the present day. That's just facts. This goes for fashion, food, language, housing structures, etc. However, the one thing that is solidified for Muslims is our religious obligations, which we must observe. And in no way are these obligations to be compromised in any manner whatsoever. When we approach certain things, we should do so from multiple perspectives, not just from a surface level, but an internal level as well. I will use the celebration or commemoration of non-religious holidays, for example. What does a holiday do? Holidays are used to point out or emphasize certain things which have happened throughout history in certain periods of time so that we don't forget what took place. As humans, we use holidays as a form of passing down history, passing down information so that we remember what our ancestors went through, what the people who came before us did in order for us to have a better life in this present day and time. This is our duty as human beings to make sure that life is better for the next generation, to make sure that the inheritance which we inherited has become richer for the next generation. It's important to acknowledge key events in history because we don't want these events to repeat themselves. We don't want our children to experience genocide. We don't want our children to experience slavery, being ran off of their land, being stolen. We don't want our children to be subjugated to oppression. And this is why history is very important. So that we don't make the same mistakes that those who came before us made. Honestly, my experience as a Muslim and dealing with different cultures has been like an up and down experience. Because a lot of people allow their cultures to override Islam. What I mean by that is the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made halal, culturally, they make them haram. They make them dislike. And this goes against the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In my humble opinion. I'm not a sheikh. This is just my experience as a Muslim. As a black Muslim. This is my experience. In dealing with different cultures. And the way that they perceive. Or the way that they portray. Islam as Muslims. But I understand also that. I myself. May allow. Certain issues. In my culture to override my Islamic understanding and I work on that. A while back I was thinking about how marriages are handled 
And I asked myself a question as a black American, why is marriage handled the way in which it is handled to this day? Why has the protection from our women slackened? And I think about the 400 plus years of oppression that we went through as a people on this continent. I think about how our women were raped and we had no choice but to stand by and watch this happen. It's disheartening. It's disheartening when you think about the psychological trauma which has been passed down from generation to generation from the results of being in bondage, being oppressed for 400 plus years. And even to this day, this oppression still takes place, albeit disguised and wrapped up in certain laws and packages to where it is made sweet to the taste. But it's still poison. Our women have been objectified, have been degraded, belittled, and tricked into thinking that dressing more revealing or acting in a certain manner, considering themselves thoughts and whatnot, is a sign of freedom, is a sign of liberty. And our men. We have been tricked into becoming less masculine. We have been tricked out of our spot of being a protector or being the guardian of our women, of our household, of our community. We've been tricked out this spot. <laughs> We've been psychologically duped as a people into stepping outside of our true nature, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has embedded in us, and it's disheartening. So why have we become lax? Why is it that if my daughter wants to get married, I am perfectly okay with her marrying whoever she wants to marry, if she wants to get married? That's, see, that's the, that's the, that's the catch-22 with Western society. Marriage is not an obligation. It is something that people do when they get older and desperate. They want to settle down and get married after a life of sowing raw oats with who and wherever they want to be. Is this the way it is supposed to be? I don't believe so. I don't believe that it should be this way. But also I believe that there is a fine line between being a protector and being an oppressor. I believe that parents want the best for their children. And with that being said, they tend to become overprotective of their children. And in the end, that overprotection hurts them. Because a parent will not always be there to protect the child. And when a person becomes dependent on something... 
and their dependence is snatched away, then they have to look for the next thing to become dependent upon. So we should groom our children to be dependent. We should be a guide and a protector, but to a certain extent, we should allow our children to think and make decisions for themselves and understand that with these decisions come consequences that you will have to face. We should teach our children how to critically think. We should teach our children how to pick the proper mates which are conducive to them living a peaceful life. We should raise our children in a reality-based household. Not a household of oppression. Not a household of control. Establishing a family is a collective thing. It is not just for the man. It is not solely for the woman. They say teamwork make a dream work. Without man, there can be no life. Without woman, there can be no life. We cannot procreate without male and female. It's just not happening. So with that being said, the blueprint for a family is already established within the structure of nature, male and female. When they come together, they procreate another life. Then it becomes their obligation and their duty to provide for that life and to nurture that life and to care for that life and to make sure that when that life comes to the proper age that it is able to survive in a world or a society in which it exists. We see this in nature. The signs are before us. All we need to do is step back and pay attention. Take a break from everything which is a distraction to us and pay attention to the order in which Allah has established creation. And once we are able to do this, then we are able to establish a society which is wholesome, a society which is nurturing, a society which is beneficial, not only to mankind, but as well as to earth, to the animals. And most importantly, a society that acknowledges the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah make us of those who pay attention to the signs which he has laid before our eyes. May Allah make us of those who step up to the challenge to establish the deen which it, within ourselves, within our families, within our communities, within our cities, our state, our countries, and the world. I mean, honestly, this podcast was spur of the moment. 
I have been meaning to get back to recording. And alhamdulillah, I was able to come in and record. Inshallah ta'ala in the future, I will be dropping two podcasts a month. That is the goal, to drop two podcasts a month. On the 15th and the 30th of each month. Inshallah ta'ala. I hope that there was some benefit in today's message. And if there was any error in what was said, it was solely upon my part. And if there was anything beneficial, that was solely by the mercy and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All praise and glory is due to Allah. Without a doubt. Surely. Without Allah. We do not exist. You can do so via social media. TikTok. Instagram. The handle is. Akil the real. On both platforms. It's customary when. Two companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would get together. They would greet each other with the honorable greetings of assalamu alaikum. And before they part, they would recite. Walasa. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Walasa. Inna lassanallah fil khusa. Illa ladina minu wa amalu salihati wa tawasabil haqi. I leave as I came with the honorable greetings of Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa